0: Let's take a few moments and unpack that idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, The Gospel author Matthew tells us in his account of the birth of Christ that Emmanuel basically is a Hebrew word. It literally means God with us. What images come to your mind when we say that, when we sing that, we talk about Christmas? Uh, Maybe it's this artist's rendering that has also been made into a greeting card. And you see Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and they have their angelic halos around them. And it's a very pristine setting. I love the Christmas hymns. Maybe for you it's silent night, holy night. All is calm and all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild. Maybe you think more, more excitedly, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Or perhaps you think about the angels, angels we've heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains and the mountains echo their joyous strains. Or perhaps you think of the entire town of Bethlehem in which this happened. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. It's a pristine setting. They're, They're beautiful, serene images. But I had a recent conversation with a friend of mine who's going through a really rough time. And it raised the question, well, if God is with us, if God is Emmanuel, then why do all these bad things happen? You can look at our culture to see all the things that bombard us on a daily basis. In our society, there is a rising crime rate of violence and and theft and whatnot where people are now avoiding certain major cities just because of the risk of their safety. We've got record high inflation and financial uncertainty, and no one knows for sure what to predict, not only in our country, but in the world. There is rampant immorality tearing apart the very fabric of our society. There are cries for greater justice across this nation, and around the world human rights, while they're important, seem to be competing with corporate profits. There are wars and rumors of wars, and and living in the greater Dayton area near Wright Patterson Air Force Base, you have to become somewhat familiar with acronyms. And I've created a new one. You've heard of PTSD, but I would suggest there is PCSD, post COVID stress disorder. We're still trying to figure that one out. And are we over it? Are we not? And how should we respond? Let's look at things personally. If we took a survey inside this room, I won't ask for a show of hands. But many of you would say, in spite of all the beautiful Christmas imagery, I have got health issues or a loved one of mine does and we're battling that. Maybe you're facing financial stress. Perhaps it's in your job or your career kind of gone sideways. It feels like it's blowing up or your academic pursuits. Maybe you've been through divorce or you're going through one and you know not only grief but also rejection. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your spouse has passed. It's the first Christmas without them. I know my mom died October 4th and it's changed the holidays completely. Perhaps you're dealing with depression or anxiety, loneliness. They seem to kind of pile up on each other and insecurity, the fear of missing out. And when it comes to fear, there's fear of our future, fear of our past, fear of failure. We could go on and on. And if I were to ask for a show of hands, how many of you, that describes part of your Christmas or maybe all of it? Many hands, most hands would probably go up in one way or another. Well, if your Christmas doesn't feel or look like this image, and the ambiance of your life is not a silent night or joy to the world. Before discrediting or discounting the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, I invite you to take a closer look. And by taking a closer look on this scene, actually zoom out from this to the larger lens of what was happening all around Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in that unlikely birthplace. We look at the larger context and we'll see something about Christmas that I believe makes all the difference in the world. So let's go back to the original story and the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. This one sentence in this verse introduces a personal crisis of a magnitude that some of you might be going through. For Mary, unmarried and pregnant, sex before marriage is a sin, and to be pregnant outside of marriage in those times could have earned her a death sentence. Not to mention just the trauma and the crisis for her personally, uh, a moral crisis, a cultural one, but then with family and friends and loved ones, all of her dreams of a wedding and planning for that and the celebration and then of her first child and a baby and a nursery and all that, all that was gone in a moment when God said, I have plans for you and these plans are going to upend things and it's a personal crisis. And some of you this Christmas, maybe this is the the one hour of reprieve you've had from things seeming so out of control. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earths. And the King James Version says that, that all the world should be taxed. It's no surprise if we do our history, Caesar Augustus was known for creative ways of adding taxes to the Roman Empire. He chose his title, Caesar Augustus. The word Augustus means exalted one. That'll give you a hint into the size of his ego and the kind of rule that he was and how uncomfortable it would be to be living under his domination and his rule. So everyone wants to go to to their, their hometown for this tax. It says Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. That was his family tree, Ancestry.com. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. How many of you, if Washington came up with a new tax and you had to report to your hometown where you were born to pay it, that would require you to make an out-of-town trip this holiday? Let me see our hands, all right? Think of the inconvenience of that. Now, let's go back and put ourselves in the same context. Mary uh, is nine, nine months pregnant. She's in her last trimester. Ladies, if you've had a baby, remember how comfortable the last trimester is. And then imagine getting on the back of a donkey and riding from here on dirt paths to the Cincinnati airport. That's about the distance that she and Joseph had to travel. I don't know what inconveniences you're going through in your life right now, I don't know what's not working. But that first Christmas when God was with us for the first time, Mary could understand that. And then you go to the next verse. While they were there, verse 6, talk about timing. The days were completed for her to give birth. They're staying in this barn and her water breaks. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I don't know, have you ever ever dreamt of how something was going to go and then it didn't go the way you dreamt it was going to go? I can only imagine Mary when she was shocked, stunned by the angel who said she was going to give birth to a child and they'll call his name Emmanuel and he will save his people from their sins. She began to imagine, what will that be like? Where will I do that? Where will I give birth to the Son of God? I'm sure she imagined a far more special environment Then no room at the inn, but you can stay in the barn. And then they give birth to that baby boy. And no crib to put him in. They had to clean out a manger, a feed trough for God with us. Expectations not at all playing out in reality. And then you go on a little further in Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born... I'll read this verse and it does not create the jolt for us that it would for people reading it at that time because we don't understand the context and the personality. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Herod the king, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. We skim right over that Herod the king. Say Herod the king. Doing our history and our homework, we find out that Herod was a a paranoid egomaniac of a ruler, so much so he had two of his own sons executed because he feared they were trying to take over his kingship. That's the kind of king he was. And so you can imagine then uh, when that happened, the next verse, when these wise men came from somewhere in the east. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That threw him into a rage. He tried to cover it. But this paranoid egomaniac now says, what? There's a king being born to take my place? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. You read the rest of the story. He tells these wise men, well, well, go find him. And after you do, come and tell me where he is so I can worship him too. That wasn't his intent. His intent was when I find out where this king is, I'll eliminate my my competition. And then you see that in verse 13, when they had gone, when the wise men left, when the shepherds left, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Again, expectations and reality. They had to adjust, okay, so we've got to make this trip my last trimester on the back of a donkey to Bethlehem. Okay, there's no room in the inn. I've got to change my expectations, and now I'm going to be giving birth in a barn, and now I'm placing the baby in a a manger. Wow, here comes Shepherd and Wiseman, that's pretty cool. But now we've got to leave because Herod wants to kill my baby boy. and We have to become refugees to Egypt and flee for asylum because, and sure enough, Herod sent out a decree when he realized the wise men didn't come back, he said, okay, I want every baby boy in the vicinity of the little town of Bethlehem from two years of age and under to be slaughtered. And that's what he did. And I look back on that first Christmas and I appreciate all the poetic renderings but I would suggest that rather than struggling with the question, if God is with us, if God is Emmanuel, why do all these bad things happen? And instead, I would flip that and say, since all these bad things happen, God chose to be with us. You see, political unrest and discontent, major in the time of Christ. Financial uncertainty, financial uncertainty, injustice, unfairness, expectations not matching reality, all those things, overwhelmingly so in this scenario, in this picture, all along, before the birth, after the birth, since the birth of Christ. And God saw that we live on a planet that is constantly in turmoil. And so what God did for us is he decided, I'm going to be God with them not some far-off God in the galaxy. And the Bible says God so loved the world in our fallen, troubled, turmoil state that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be God with us, born in a manger. And the representation there, the symbolism there of everything from shepherds to wise men. Uh, shepherds, as was already noted, were of the, of, of the meagerest folks in society looked down upon. And, and the wise men were royalty from another nation. Everyone in society is welcome to come to Christ and find him to be God with you. And so as we look at this Christmas season, I hope for you that... Your days are merry and bright and growing up in Cleveland, I wouldn't mind if the Christmas was white. But if it's not, if there's not peace and goodwill in your life right now, if there are struggles and heartaches, don't shake your fist and say, I thought you were God with me. No, thank God that in all of the pain and the struggle, he is an Emmanuel kind of God who has come for us. And as you think about Emmanuel, God with us, I want to clarify, we have a misunderstanding in our culture. I hear politicians, sometimes celebrity types, like to say, and it sounds wonderful, that we're all God's children. Biblically speaking, that's not quite correct. We're all God's creation. We've all been created in the image of God, and he's given you incredible potential. But we are not God's children, God's family, just by nature of being born. On the contrary, Jesus, talking to a good religious man, told him that you must be born again or you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see heaven. And so as the creation of God, he then calls us. I don't want to just be your creator. I want to be your, your heavenly father. I want to be your savior. I want to be your Lord. And so, if you're here today and you've asked Christ to be your savior, then you are a child of God, a son or daughter of his, adopted in through Christ. And it's easy for us, even as his children, to get distracted. And the longer issues and problems happen in life, or the more chronic they are, whatever they become, they kind of become our focal point. And, and we want to encourage you this Christmas to to kind of widen out and realize that He is still God with you. In the blessings and in the pain, He's with you. And that's why He's with you. He didn't say that I came to, so that there'd be no more bad circumstances. No, He said, because there are bad circumstances, I come to be with you. In fact, when the angel announced what Christ was going to do, the greatest thing He said is He'll save His people from their sins. He didn't say he'll save his people from anything bad happening. No, but when bad does happen, he'll be God with them. But he'll save them from their sins because the Bible says one thing we all have in common is that every person in this room, all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. There's a chasm, my friend, between you and God in your sin. And if you don't do something about that sin, it'll keep you separated from God in this life and in the next. It's called hell. And so the greatest reason Jesus came was to be your Savior, that your sins could be forgiven, that you could leave guilt and shame behind, walk in newness of life until Sunday you're with Him in heaven for eternity. So to those of you who don't know Christ, you haven't surrendered to Him, you haven't asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, as you listen to this last song, ask yourself why not? God came 2,000 years ago in the form of a baby to be God with us and God with you. And without him, you're lost. Without him, I wouldn't want to begin to attempt to live life. And so consider Emmanuel. Give thanks to him if you're a follower of Christ. If not, consider asking him to be that to you today.
1: crown upon his head, he came like us instead, Amen.
0: Standing in the back there listening, thinking back that I've had the privilege of preaching Christmas messages for over 30 years now. It never gets old. Because he's not just Emmanuel for you, I need him to be God with me. Over the decades of my life that I've followed Christ, I don't know where I'd be without him. And I've I've seen him do. You know, he, he's there in the best of times and the worst of times. He's there when everyone is around. He's there when no one is around. And he understands when other people just shake their head and walk. He is God with me and you. I've watched him do incredible things in this room. And our team has done such an amazing job and put so much time into it. And I was here Wednesday evening late as we had the second dress rehearsal done around 10.30 or so. And it was, it was great, but there's something about when the room is filled with people. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people and his presence is here. And I can't fully explain, but I've seen him transform lives. I've seen guilty people finally get relief from shame. I've seen people who struggle. Their struggles are gone, or at least they have God with them in their struggles. He is Emmanuel. And I don't mean to project on people, but if you don't know Christ, I have no idea how you make it through life. I, for one, need Him desperately. it's easy for me to praise Him and celebrate Him because of who He is. And so I'm going to ask you just to to bow your heads with me and allow this holy moment to stir your heart. If you're a Christ follower, push everything aside and just fall in love with that beautiful baby who came in innocence, abandoned heaven for us would live a life he did not deserve, to pay a price that he never accrued for himself, but he paid for our sins and bought us eternal life. And so rather than shaking your fist or wondering or agonizing about what you're in, thank him that whatever it is, he's with you. Praise him. And I want to pray for you. Some of you are going through horrendous, difficult holiday seasons right now. Trouble and grief and heartache and shame. And they do not take a holiday. And so in a moment, we're going to pray for you as we have all weekend long. And I believe God is going to do some powerful Christmas things in your life this season. To others of you who don't know him, if there's a stirring in your heart, maybe I should say yes. Maybe maybe this whole thing, Jesus, Lord, I need God with me. You certainly do. And that's the Holy Spirit stirring and prompting you. And so today, if you're here and you would say, I want God to be with me. I want to be his child, not just his creation. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, and I want to have forgiveness of sins, but I want to have the peace he said he would give, the joy he said he would give in spite of circumstance. I want that for my life. I need that for my life. If that's you, or if you're a Christian, and you'd say, I need a very special awareness that God is with me, Emmanuel, in my life right now in this time what I'm going through. In either case, we want to pray for you. We just raise your hand saying, yeah, that's me believer, or I need to be a believer, all across this place. Yeah, there have been hundreds all weekend long. Heavenly Father, you saw this world in our darkness and our pain, heartache and shame, longing, wandering, lost. And you realized that we needed a Savior And we're so thankful that a Savior was born to us, the Son was given, Christ the Lord. And He is now God with us. Jesus, thank You that You promised us Your Holy Spirit to be present in us and through us all the days of our life, through everything. Thank You for all the blessings, all the goodness. We don't minimize that at all. But thank You that You're with us through the struggles and the journey. And that someday we'll be with You forever in heaven. Lord, you saw the hands, you know the hearts of those that are here that say, you know, I want Jesus to be God with me. I want him to be my Emmanuel. See their heart and hear their cry. And I'm going to ask everyone here in honor of those who raise their hand to say, I want to accept Christ. Maybe you didn't, but you, you want to do that. We're going to put a prayer on the screen. And if you would just, everyone read this out loud with me. And if you want to accept Christ today, invite Him to be your Savior, that you would become an adopted son or daughter in God's family, and He's God with you, Emmanuel. Pray this prayer sincerely, and that's how it begins. Pray with me, everyone. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth to be Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I ask you to become my Lord and Savior and surrender my life to you today. From this day forward, I ask you to be my Emmanuel, God with me. Thank you for hearing and receiving me today. I ask all this in your name. Amen. And we trust that God will minister to your heart in response to that. And the Bible says when one person repents, all of heaven rejoices. And so far we've had about 60-some people make that salvation decision this weekend. Would you celebrate them and those here today? And so to all of you who prayed that prayer and said yes to Jesus, basically, that's the biggest decision you can make in your life. The Bible says the most important decision because now you have eternal life, which means that Christ will be with you, God with you in and through everything. And someday when life is done, it's just begun in heaven. And so the question is, well, now what? How do, what do I do from here? Big decisions bring big questions. We want to help you with that. And so when you leave today, if you prayed and said yes to Jesus, you can hit that QR code, but there'll be people right outside and there'll be bags like this to commemorate your decision. There are resources inside to help you, and just a a gift token of our appreciation for you being here. But tell them I prayed the prayer, that's all you have to say, and they'll give you this to help you on your next steps with that decision. All right and then afterwards we've got uh, a great fun that we've told you about, but I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. And uh, after it is done, the celebration continues because there, is, there are seven photo booth stations all around the place. There's hot chocolate. There's a karaoke room in the West Auditorium, and there's a snow, room, snow globe. There's crafts for the kids in the cafe. There's cookies. The cookies. Our team has baked 5,000 homemade cookies. They're like this big. I tested them for you. That's the kind of guy I am, all right? Didn't want to give you faulty cookies. They're delicious. Uh, and then down the gym, there are bounce houses, I'm told, for young and old. So, But we want, to, we want to go ahead and practice this now because we have a responsibility. Go tell it on the mountain and across the Miami Valley, Jesus Christ is Lord. Lift your voices. Put your hands together. Let's go.